This is Shane Gibson's social media podcast from ClosingBigger.net. Today we've got a great guest on the show today. It's Patrick Schwartfiger, and he is author of Marketing Shortcuts for the Self-Employed, which just came out in 2011, published by Wiley. He's also a regular speaker for Bloomberg TV. And just somebody who's been really involved in the online space and very passionate about it for some time now and is seen as a thought leader in many aspects uh, of online marketing, uh, personal branding, and a whole bunch of other areas which we're going to open up with Patrick today. Patrick, you're also an author. Thanks for coming on the show, by the way. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here, Shane. You've also written a couple other books previously. Uh, Which ones were those? Yeah, I mean, this uh, this goes back a little ways now. I mean, I came out with my first book in 2008. Uh, that was uh, entitled Make Yourself Useful, Marketing in the 21st Century, which really feeds right into the whole online space because I, I still to this day really am passionate about that approach. And, and then the second book uh, was Webify Your Business, Internet Marketing Secrets for the Self-Employed. And, and those first two books, I self-published both of them. And Webify did really well. So Wiley ended up approaching me and saying, hey, let's re-release this. And I actually wanted the new book to be called Webify Your Business Second Edition, but they had uh, other plans in mind. When you go with the <laughs> national publisher, they, <laughs> they kind of do it their own way. So it's, but then now, you know, Webify had uh, 60 chapters in it, 60 chapters, but they were all like three and four pages long. They're really short tactical, how to do this, how to do that. Every chapter has a little to-do list at the end. Uh, so it, that's why it really did well. And so now the new book, uh, we deleted six chapters because they were kind of out of date, and we added 26 new chapters. So now Marketing Shortcuts uh, for the Self-Employed has 80 chapters. Uh, and it's just, again, it's, it's basically an instruction manual. I mean, it's how to get out there and actually start doing this stuff. Great. And that's a nice round number, 80 chapters. Yeah. So... We talked about, uh, before we sort of clicked onto the show here, um, you and I kind of bounced back and forth talking about, you know, the advent of, of, of social media uh, and how it's ramped up so much in, in the last, particularly the last 24 to 36 months. And, and that, you know, there's a lot of excitement around it, but there's also, um, you know, in a lot of cases, not a lot of results. And I thought maybe we'd lead with that and start with that. What are your thoughts on, on social media? Uh, what have you seen as best practices uh, I'll just kind of open it up to you and let you go from there. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I love the way you just put that. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I actually really believe that the vast majority of people who are on you know, Twitter or Facebook are just wasting time, uh, really, for the most part. I mean, they're, you know, look, this, the statistics are incredible, right? I mean, there's 100 million people on Twitter. There's 600 million people, or, you know, people on Facebook. I mean, these are huge numbers. Uh, but the reality is that you know they might be having fun, they might be being social, but they're not growing their revenue for the most part. Uh, it's just that people haven't yet figured it out, and that's uh, that's an opportunity for everyone who's listening to this show. It's an opportunity for everyone who's just getting started today, uh, because if you get on there today, just starting right now, and do some the right things, which we're going to talk about right now. Uh, you can have spectacular results. I mean, there are people out there right now who are doing really simple but powerful things that are just, I mean, their businesses are exploding virtually overnight. And you've heard those stories, and so have I. So what are these, uh, These we talk about simple and powerful. Um, what are, g- give us some examples of simple and powerful things people can be doing using uh, the social web. 
Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's one approach that I just, I see it over and over and over again, and it's always slightly different people, obviously, uh, modified to their own circumstance. But I, I really refer to this kind of as like a winning formula, if you will, for social media success. And that is that these people or businesses, they're, they're finding what they do that's truly remarkable. And you think about the word remarkable, what does remarkable mean? It means something worth remarking about. So what do you do that's, that's worth remarking about? What do you do that's remarkable? And then step two is how do you demonstrate that thing, that, demonstrate what you do that's remarkable in a visual way? Okay, so like there's different types of content. There's text, there's audio, photos, and video. What's the most viral? Video. Right, video is the most viral. What's second place? Photos. People like engaging with visual content. Uh, now, ironically, when it comes to building trust, audio content is more powerful than photos. But when it comes to what's viral, what gets passed along, visual content, videos and photos are at the top of the ladder. So, how do you demonstrate what you do in a visual way? Is step number two, and then finally, step number three. You know that content. That demonstration in either a text or either a video or either a photo, it can come from one of two places. It can come from you, right? You can create your own content about your own business and put it out there, or it can get produced by your customers, right? Now, which of those two is more viral? Well, by the customers. I mean, that's, that's a third-party endorsement right there. If someone else is talking about your business, it's far more believable. It's far more engaging than if you're talking about yourself. So how do you incentivize your customers to demonstrate what you do that's remarkable in a visual way? That, to me, that's a winning formula. That's the kind of stuff that gets passed along. That's the kind of stuff that goes viral. That's the kind of stuff that can really help you change your business. So... I had a couple of thoughts when we talked about this, and, and that was, I guess, one of them was um, just kind of popped in my mind. We talked about visual um, and the advent of the infographic right now. I mean, the infographic was some, something, I mean, infographic, I mean, I've been using presentations and flowcharts and illustrations for years and in my presentations, you know, handouts to customers and whatnot. But we're seeing it kind of get a whole new life, almost a whole new infographic industry. What are your thoughts? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I love it. I, I actually, I, I, I didn't know we were going to go onto this tangent. I'm really glad we are because these infographics, I mean, it just feeds directly into what I'm talking about. And I, I actually, you know, I used to be in the real estate business and I had this big eight and a half by 11 like piece of cardboard and it was full of graphics on the front and the back really explaining the mortgage business. It was essentially an infographic except in the old school printed version. Yeah. Uh, and now here we are, you know, basically five years later and people are producing these incredible graphics where, again, the mind, you know, you do these studies. These are how people learn, how people pick up information. Uh, when they can put something visual to it and they see structure to the information and they see colors and they see interactions between different elements on that graphic, they retain more of it. And so yet again, we're seeing a way where people are, are demonstrating their expertise. Whatever uh, your expertise is, Shane, we all know, but of, of course, many people who are listening, you know, they all have various expertise, whatever that might be. But if you can demonstrate that in a way where other people, it's easy for them to engage in it, like an infographic and something you can link to, something you can pass along, it just ends up going way further than if you just wrote a, a plain text blog post. So let's talk about, we, now we're talking about building um, 
you know, your topic is marketing shortcuts for the for the self-employed. Um, you know, and we could kind of, you know, slash entrepreneur, right? Uh, oh, or, sure. Or, or many of us, many of us are self-employed uh, working within large corporations. I mean, we're, we're, we're operating, <laughs> we're operating independent of any type of leadership <laughs> uh, yeah. in general. I mean, I know many people in a marketing department who literally, uh, the senior executives are completely detached from what they do and they're kind of on their own. I mean, they're, they're accountable for the results, but they're on their own. So I'm, I'm dealing with this person. And they're going, okay, um, we're managing our offline trade shows and events. Um, I, I'm putting out this, this magazine quarterly for our organization. Um, we're, we've got these email campaigns going. We're, we're cutting and pasting content in text mostly, and we're putting it up on our, our old school website. And their thing, they're pushing back saying, Patrick, that is awesome. I believe in the social web. I can see the power of this, but I don't have time. What's, what's your kind of thoughts on that? What's your, how do you handle that? I mean, by the way, I'm asking this question because I get it all the time. I know I answer it. <laughs> I'm kind of looking for ideas. Uh, but, you know, how do you answer that? What's your answer to someone who doesn't feel they have time to participate in the social web? Yeah, I mean, time, I mean, look, we're all, you know, I'm busy too. Uh, and I struggle with the exact same thing. And, and to some extent, you can never really take away that barrier, right? I mean, we all, we all struggle with it. But there are things you can do to really leverage how you use your time. And just as an example, uh, you know, you could take, you know, one blog post as an example, and you can repurpose that in a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, And very few people actually take advantage of it. I mean, just to run through an example, I mean, obviously you can post it as your blog post, uh, but you can take that blog post, of course, and through the RSS feeds, you can syndicate it on, on your Twitter profile, your Facebook profile, your LinkedIn profile. That's easy to do. Uh, But you could go a step further. You could summarize the blog post into like a series of tips and release those tips as tweets on Twitter over a period of time with links back to the original blog post. You can take the blog post and publish it as an article on literally thousands of different article directories that are out there on the internet. That's easy to do. Uh, And in many cases, free. And there's some uh, incredible submission services that cost like $1.50. So it's very, very inexpensive. You could take the blog post and summarize it, you know, make it more punchy and you know, bullet points and a little more tactical and save it as a PDF file, you can upload that to literally hundreds of free ebook directories that are on the internet. Believe it or not, some of those have tons of traffic. People are looking for information and they can find yours if you put it there. Uh, and then the, the obvious ones that come in here at the end just take the blog post, plug in a microphone to your computer, and read off the screen into your microphone. Now you've got a podcast. Yeah, you can absolutely. put that on iTunes, right? And of course, you, you wrote it. You can talk about it on a video. Put that video on YouTube or syndicate it to all the different video sites. The bottom line, Shane, is that you could take – and I do a whole program on this where, we, where you write the blog post on Monday of week number one. Uh, and the, that takes the longest time, is writing the blog post. So maybe you've got an hour, even two hours invested at that point to write this blog post. But then you can take that content and literally work half an hour a day for the next two weeks to put that content in slightly modified forms all over the internet. You can have a massive online identity and literally be working less than most of your competitors if you're smart about it. And if you repurpose your content in a in a in a in an aggressive way. Fantastic, and I you know I, and I um, I don't want to get ahead of the conversation because I know you've got some great ideas on on where to get great content from, and 
you know, one of the questions I get from my clients is they'll go, well, uh, you know, where am I getting my ideas for my blog posts? And I, my, uh, Stephen Jagger, uh, who I wrote Sociable with, his big thing is, look, the last 10 questions your customers asked you is probably a good place to start. <laughs> uh, <laughs> y- 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 you know, that should be good for your first 10 posts. But what do we do? I mean, we run out of ideas. We run out of, we run out of ideas. I, I, look, I've sat, I've sat here and stared at my microphone and stared back at me, and then I've just decided to eventually you go for a coffee <laughs> because I, yeah. I get stumped. So what do you um, – where does your content – where does your ideas? You seem to be a bit of a content machine yourself. So where do you get these ideas? Yeah, I mean, this is. But what your what your partner said here is really interesting. I mean, this is. I say in in a lot of the things that I do is that one of the best places for inspiration for content is your own email outbox. You know, I mean, people are people are sending you emails already, and you are they're asking questions, and people are replying to these emails and providing answers to questions. That's all great quality content. I mean, a lot of times you can get inspiration. You're you're already producing the content. I mean, it's in your email outbox, and you can take that and be like, gosh. That's a blog post right there, and that one there's a blog post as well, and so is this one. So that's a good place to start. But I know you're you're talking more uh, kind of broadly, and and I think there's there's a lot of great ways uh, to to get content. One of the best ways uh, is to subscribe to all the top bloggers in your field. And this sounds maybe simple and obvious, but it's remarkable how few people do this. So you know, pick out the top. 10 people or whatever, the people you respect, true leaders in your field, and subscribe to their blogs in, say, Google Reader or whatever. And before you write your blog post, even you, if you already have an idea of what you want to talk about, just force yourself, take five minutes, five minutes, not even three minutes, and open up Google Reader and just see what those other people are blogging about. And it, you'd be amazed what this does because, number one, immediately you see what is the buzz with the thought leaders in your industry, and you can contribute right on that leading edge. But number two, there's just going to be ideas. You're going to read these titles in the little blurb that's the summary of what those blog posts are and be like, gosh, I could say this, or I disagree with that, or whatever. And what, one of the things you know, I, I believe in the most kind of within the blogosphere in general is that your outbound links, that's currency, the more times you link out to other people, and a lot of times people get into blogging and they're, they kind of have a scarcity mentality. They don't want to link to their competitors or other people in this space. And I, I take the opposite approach. You should link out to all the top people in your space because what it does to your, for your readers is it positions you alongside those thought leaders right from the start. Uh, you actually get more respect by linking out to those other thought leaders and participating in that level of the dialogue. Uh, than if you didn't do that and just tried to be an island. Uh, but then you can you can also go to the Google Keyword Tool. I mean, this is the a free you know keyword tool. You go to Google and search for a Google Keyword Tool, uh, and search for some of your primary keyword phrases. And then what happens is it'll provide you a huge list of keywords that people search for on Google, and you can sort them by the global monthly search volume. So you can immediately find out what people are searching for. And that's an amazing thing. You go down this list and, and you see a keyword phrase, you're like, holy smokes, people are searching for that? I never would have thought. I could write a blog post about that. And then three lines down, holy, yeah, I could do another one about this, another one about that. And one of the things that I, I tell people to do, and I, I, you know, Shane, I tell it to you as well because I do this myself, create a document in Microsoft Word or Excel or whatever you want with all of your blog ideas. 
Uh, and a lot of times, you know, you start creating this list and you put a title down and then you realize, you know, I could actually make two or three blog posts about that topic. So you subdivide it and expand the list and you do some of the exercises we're talking about, like subscribing to top bloggers or going to the keyword tool. You're getting new ideas. And, and you only need one idea for a blog post. But sometimes when you do one of these things, you'll get three or four ideas right away. Add them to the list. And having that list available, that means that anytime you're stumped or you're in a rush, you can easily go to that list and just, you know, pick one and scratch it off the list and go to the next one. Uh, but let me say one more uh, that I think is, is a great idea. And again, these are so simple, but they're so effective. Go to a, a bookstore and go to the magazine rack and pick out, you know, two or three magazines that are in your particular industry and take a look at those titles. On the, on, I mean, these people spend millions of dollars uh, market research, finding out what it is people want to read, what it is that's going to entice someone to buy a magazine, and they put those headlines on the front cover. And every time, you know, I travel a lot. I'm a speaker. All I do is, is travel from one conference to the other. I'm always in airports, and they always have these bookstores. And every time I go in and I look at those magazines, and every single time I end up with, you know, two, three, four ideas, I'm like, wow, that would be a great blog post. Uh, and you, getting ideas is easy, uh, and then leveraging the content is step two. So that's a good start. So you said so, so something interesting, and this is a challenge that I that I have. That a number of the executives that I I see as thought leaders that are creating really great content for their companies um, is they're mobile. Um, you know, there's a concept that you need to sit behind a desk in your office and, and blog uh, or produce content, but. How do you deal with that? What's the opportunity and, and how are you set up so that you can create this content uh, on the fly? You know, you know, a lot of what I do, I mean, I do, I have like 520 videos on my YouTube channel. So I do a lot on video. I'm constantly recording little videos with my flip or with, I have a few different cameras that I use. And I have uh, a virtual assistant. I actually have like three virtual assistants. And th this particular guy's name's Joseph. He's in the Philippines. I love him. He's spectacular. And he knows that he can go to my YouTube channel at any time and pick any video where I'm either speaking to the camera or speaking to an audience. If the video is longer than three and a half minutes, transcribe it and send it to me in a Word file, and I pay him like $3.30 an hour. I mean, it's incredibly inexpensive. So on a regular basis, I'm posting videos. It takes me literally five minutes to record a video in a hotel room or wherever I might be, and then it's done. And then two or three days later, I get an email from Joseph with the Word, you know, Microsoft Word transcription of my words in that video. Then I can go in and like another, you know, five minutes, edit it and clean it up to make sure it's, you know, readable. And now I've got my blog post and I start leveraging it in different ways. So in a way, I do it kind of backwards. I don't do the video at the end. Most of the time I do the video at the beginning, get someone to transcribe it, and boom, the whole process starts. And of course, you can do that with audio content as well. So I'm a big believer in what you just talked about, the outsourcing uh, component, especially of the what I would refer to as the, the left brain activities, the, the analytical, digital, uh, transcribing, organizing, researching. Um, where I get a little concerned, and I, I'd like to hear your opinion on this, is, is the outsourcing of your actual creation of your message or outsourcing of, of your community interaction. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's, this is a hard one, and it, I actually am very cautious. In other words, you're, you're talking about hiring someone to speak in your voice. Yes. Uh, and that's, truthfully, I've never done it because it scares the heck out of me. Uh, 
now, I have done elements of it. Like, for example, when I first released my book, I summarized it into 300 marketing tips. And then I released those tips as tweets once a day for 300 days, and then they repeated on Twitter. And that yeah. all went to an automated platform. Well, I wrote the individual tips, but I had someone uh, in – I had Uma in, in India. I've been working with her for three years now. Uh, she's the one who uploaded it. It's an amazingly tedious process, and she took See, care of that for me. So, and again, that's left brain activity, right? That's, yeah, that's that's analytical. That's cut and paste. Uh, and I, I, I agree. I think that's that's the stuff you should be. I, if and if you're an executive, and you're cutting and pasting your tweets for three hours each morning, <laughs> uh, or whatever, or six hours a week. You're now a three dollar an hour executive, um, you know, because you should be outsourcing that type of activity. And I think that's the thing that, and again, I guess this is my rant: is that people try to outsource the wrong thing. They outsource their brand or their personality, and that that's, for me, it's a danger point. Yeah, and I, I should have, uh, I I didn't answer the right question because that's I understand what your question is, and I I guess the number one, I agree with you. So I would say to to your audience uh, that. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Now, you know what? I'm going to put one caveat in there because there are some uh, professional ghost writers that are – some of them are excellent. Uh, but but I would not go to the – like don't view it as a cost-saving activity. View it as a time-saving activity. In other words, don't look for someone, you know, $2, $3, $5 an hour, even $10 an hour to do that work for you. If you're going to have someone else speak in your voice, make sure you hire a pro and it's going to cost you some real money. But I would say that if you can avoid it, that's the one thing that you want to maintain. It's your voice. It's your identity. It's the one thing that – you know, you can never take back. Once that stuff's out there, you know, we've all watched the news, certainly down here in the United States with, you know, some of the people who have gotten caught, you know, with their pants down, literally, uh, on Twitter. And once it's out there, you're done. Yeah. So, I mean, that's obviously an extreme example. And, and he did it himself. He didn't have anyone else do that for him. But, you know, keep, keep, keep control of your own brand. Keep control of your own voice uh, to the extent possible. I totally agree. So another thing, and this is, you know, you've been talking a lot about blogs uh, and about blog content. And, you know, I hear people say, well, um, you know, what's the reality behind blogs? You know, are they, I've heard, you know, every year we see a major blogger blog about the fact that blogging is over because everybody's on Facebook or, or now it's, hey, the whole world's <laughs> rushing towards Google Plus at, at, at a breakneck speed. Uh, and so, you know, does, is, there, is there a world for bloggers in the, in the uh, once, once Google Plus hits 100 million users? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the blogs are – your blog is always your home base. I mean, that to me is is kind of like the center of your online identity. So uh, regardless of what other platforms come and go, Facebook, Google+, whatever, uh, at the end of the day, you, you're going to be engaging eyeballs on those social media platforms and invariably sending them back to your blog as your home base. So anyone who says blogging is, is – you know. Because what they do is they look at the readership numbers. So people aren't reading blogs to the extent that they used to. Well, that's obvious because they're engaging on the social media platforms and getting the 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 the, the Cliff's Notes version of that content there. But the people who are interested in the content are still clicking through and getting the longer, more detailed message on the website on the blog. So blogging isn't going away, but there are some realities in the blogosphere, and again, it's, you know, I mean, think to yourself, is, is everything on the internet true? 
Uh, no, of course not. I mean, is, is it all well-written? No. And then the, the more important question is, is that good or bad? Uh, the reality is there's a ton of garbage on the Internet. And there's a human instinct uh, that says that's bad. You know, we've all looked at you know, something on the Internet. You say, that's, that's not true. How can they post that? That's not true or it's not correct or whatever. And it's frustrating to see that. But there is an opportunity amidst that. When everything else is garbage, the good quality content does get found. And this is the thing that especially people who are just getting involved today, people in older generations, they're like, ah, oh, that opportunity was five years ago. I missed the boat. It's too late. I can't get started today. That's not true. Because if you put good quality content out there consistently, it does get found. Consistency is the number. That's the, the only obstacle that's left. You go to the gym in January, the place is packed. You go in March, it's empty. That's the obstacle. If you're consistent, all the other obstacles are gone. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to go to that school to make it, but you have to be consistent. And if you consistently provide content, you know, the, the unfortunate reality is that the people with the least to say are often the first to blog. Right. I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of people out there. That, oh, what a great quote! I'm going to steal that one. Or I'll give you, I'll give you credit. But that's going on the slide. That's going on the slide. The least to say are the first to blog. But the least to say are the first to blog. I mean, and they say, you know, all this stupid garbage. But meanwhile, is this is? I mean, this is how I got started. I was in the real estate business, and I did a podcast about mortgages, U.S. mortgage business. And and honestly, I kind of messed it up in a way. And I'll tell you about that in a second. But I, I had an introduction, 15 chapters, and a conclusion. And that was my mistake is I should have kept going because the thing took off and it didn't happen in the first week. It didn't happen in the second week, didn't happen in the third. But after a month, two months, three months, I was doing these once a week, uh, getting them out there. So this took about, you know, roughly six months to finally get out there. Uh, and, and the thing, you know, got written up on, on, on mortgagedaily.com, which was this website out of Texas and a few others, Sparta Success and so on. And then in June of that year, it got written up on about.com and my downloads just spiked. I was, it was the third most popular mortgage-related podcast on iTunes. Uh, and, and my mistake was that I should have kept doing it. I didn't see it for what it was at the time. I mean, it was really it was exploding. But the, anyway, the, the message behind the whole thing is that it, I was consistently providing good quality content and stuff, surprise, surprise, the thing uh, took off. And, and since then, I did that on Twitter and it happened again and I'm doing it right now on YouTube and it's happening all over again. If you provide the content, the audience does find you eventually. Now, they find you. Now, this is, this is where – and this is, I guess, maybe a – I hear people say content is king, content is king, and, and the right content is king. And I see a lot of people putting content out there, but I see and I feel they're missing an opportunity. I, I believe that content is king, but boy, uh, connection you know, is, a, is a close second. Connection is king. So what do, I, what do I do? You talk about driving results. So I've created this great content. People are reading it. What's the next step? How do I, how do I, how do I bridge that that that? How do I bridge on just being a good publisher and being in business? Yeah, I mean, there's, well, this is great. Okay, so the, number one, content is king. There's actually a, a chapter, one of the 80 chapters in my book, uh, talks about the fact that content is queen. <laughs> good. And community yeah. engagement is king. Because yeah. the, and the, the bottom line is that bad quality content plus community engagement beats good quality content without community engagement. Thank you. So if you have good quality content just sitting out on a blog, no one knows about it, it's not going to do anything. 
meanwhile, you know, if you have good quality content and community engagement, that's obviously the winning combination. But and this this boils down to two things. Number one, it boils down to what we talked about just you know ten minutes ago about repurposing your content, syndicating your content, and putting it where the eyeballs are. So if you just put it on your blog, no one's going to find it. You got to show it in Facebook. You got to publish it in Twitter. You got to publish it on YouTube. You got to get it on iTunes. Get it where the eyeballs are. Get it in what I call raging rivers. Right? These are all online destinations with tons of traffic. Right? So how do you get your content in those raging rivers so that people actually find it? But then the more important thing is something we haven't talked about yet, uh, and that's how do you structure your content to 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 build revenue, right? So <clears throat> if you picture, you know, think about your content. This is kind of a head shift for a lot of people. But think about your content in categories, beginner, intermediate, and advanced, okay? And your beginner content is free. It's free of charge. And what, what it's your blog posts, it's your articles, it's your podcasts, it's your videos, all that stuff. It's free content, and it's there to build trust, right? Free content. The intermediate content, that's free as well but only in exchange for your email address. So it's the 17-page white paper. It's the six free training videos. It's you know, the, the little more advanced and you know, in-depth content that you provide free of charge, but only in exchange for your email address. And then finally, your advanced content is what you actually get paid for, whether that's a product or a service. But the, the critical thing that people forget to do is, I mean, this is sales, right? It's a call to action. Your free content has to have a call to action saying at the bottom of your blog post or whatever it is, click here to get a free report or letting people know that there is more for them to, to engage in. And then the intermediate content, that's got to have a call to action as well saying call us for a free consultation. This is what we do. Here's our service packages. And it doesn't have to be overt. The, 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 the focus is always on the value and providing real tactical useful information but you have to include a call to action because you're building a sales funnel and you got to pull those people through. Fantastic. I think that is, that is really the, the what's next that most people are missing is uh, I think that, you know, they're building community. Uh, they're creating good content. They're having even good conversations, but they forget, as you said, that basic sale, the sales basic, uh, Hey, what's your email address? Uh, can I have permission to market to you? Or do you know what to do next? Um, and I think that that's some you know very very important aspects that you know many of us mix miss. In fact, if I listen to my last twenty podcasts, I know I've missed it on a few of them. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and so again, that consistency, uh, letting people know what they need to do next. So let's look. We've been going here for a while for our listeners. I think you've given them an incredible almost thirty minutes of value here, Patrick. That uh, I think uh, you know they they could even buy but don't worry we're going to give away to them for free today um but here's the call to action if you like this interview what you need to do is pick up patrick's book marketing shortcuts for the self-employed uh produced of course by wiley just released in 2011 you can get you know what go ahead let me let me, let me throw in one thing quickly because i <clears throat> in preparation for this interview I, I actually put to put a page on my website to give people some stuff for free. Awesome. Uh, and it, it's, it's 80shortcuts.com, 80shortcuts.com, because the book is 80 chapters. Great. Uh, .com forward slash gifts, the word gifts. Uh, and if you go there, you can download. There's no opt-in required. There's nothing. You just take it. And it's, uh, there's a PDF file which, which has uh, one worksheet for every single chapter, almost. There's 77 worksheets 
Uh, and whether you buy the book or not, go get the worksheets. It's free of charge. Go take it. And I got four training videos on that page as well, just to give you some more information. I would love it if you bought the book, but I just wanted to provide some extra stuff as well. So, Well, fantastic. Patrick, thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, you've got a lot to offer, so I'm hoping we'll get you back soon. And uh, again, uh, 80shortguts.com forward slash gift, right? Yeah, gifts with an gifts S at with the end. Gifts with a plural, gifts. Yeah. 80shortcuts.com forward slash gifts. This is Shane Gibson's social media podcast from closingbigger.net.